Um, hey guys, I'm Josh. Um, I'm studying mass education in second year, sort of. Um, <laughs> come ask me about it later. Um, yeah, so we're, the Bible taught reading today is from Genesis 1, um, all the way to chapter 2, verse 3. So it's just in your leaflets um, if you want to follow along. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be the lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give them light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said that the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth and across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swam according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish and over of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. 
and it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Here we are, in the beginning. For some of you, it's the beginning of uni. Uh, for some of you, it's the beginning of the end of uni. But either way, welcome to Bible Talks. It's your first time, special welcome to you at, at uh, Michael. My welcome to Michael as well. Uh, sorry, to James. Uh, my name is Rob, and I work alongside the Uni Bible Group, and I have the great privilege of being able to take us through these early chapters of Genesis over this first half of the semester. And if you're first time with us, what we usually do is we dive into a part of the Bible here at Uni Bible Group. We hold that the Bible is God's word, God's speaking to us. You don't have to believe that to come along, uh, but just listen in and see what the Bible has to say. If you are with us today for the first time, it's good day to be with us, but it's the very first chapter of the Bible. Well done for you for being here. Well done. Um, I love the Bible, and uh, I love books. I just don't like reading them. So when I find an author... Uh, that I like, uh, I love to get their books and have someone else read them to me. Um, I just don't like reading that much. So audio books is the best invention ever. Uh, but great authors have powerful words. And sometimes you can tell a great author even from the very beginning, the first line of their, of their books. And I hope some of you are great lovers and readers of books. And maybe you might even recognise some of these first lines of books. Okay, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. You can pair up with people around about you. Don't, don't talk too loudly. Um, two or three. I'll give you about 30 seconds and see if anyone can put your hand up when you think you've got them all. You've got all these authors. Okay? I hope it's going to work. All right, I'm going to stand that a bit. Can you stop us there? Tell us your five. First one is Harry's Potter, which one? Philosopher's Stone, J.J. Colleen. Second one is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Good. Third one is 1984 by George Orwell. Not sure about that next one. It was the best time, the best time. Great Expectation, Charles Dickens. Oh. Anyone want to chime in? Yep. Tale of Two Cities. Yes, we can. Dawn Treader, um, the Narnia. Oh. Yeah, very good. Uh, not sure the last one. Last one. Anyone the last one? Can I get the last one? Um, it is, I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone get the. Um, yeah, I forgot to write out the list. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read those two. I've read a couple. I haven't read those two. Anyway, everybody, um, they will pay attention. Uh, those great authors, uh, great authors have 
a way of being able to well, be powerful in the way that they use words. And some of them, and some of the ones that you love, they build worlds with their, wor- with their words. And so uh, in a galaxy far, far away, and a world is built where you, you, you understand it, you become a part of it, and you, you know the characters, and you can almost inhabit it. Some authors are great world builders. Other authors make sense of this world, the world that we live in, such that when you read them and you read their descriptions of things, you go, yes, yes, that's right. That's exactly what that is like. And one of my favourite authors is uh, Tim Winton. And I don't really sort of go much about his plot lines, uh, whatever they are, but his descriptions of things are, are just so accurate and so true. And you go, yes, that's that's exactly what it feels like to be dumped by a wave. Yes, and if that's exactly what a mouthful of sand tastes like. <laughs> He's got that. And you, you, he understands the experience in such that you, as you go on and you see things that you haven't experienced, you think, I wonder, should I trust him in that? Because he seems to understand this world. Genesis 1 begins with, in the beginning. And we're introduced to an author. The author of Genesis 1 introduces us to the author of the world. In the beginning, God created and authored the heavens and the earth. And as you go through Genesis, as you go through Genesis 1, the challenge to think, is this the world that I live in? And am I prepared to think differently about the world? Genesis 1 and indeed the whole book of Genesis has profoundly shaped the world, not just Western thinking, but the Middle East, uh, the African continent, uh, the Asian continent. The thought processes have been shaped by Genesis. And the question comes, is this just an ancient version of, um, you know, let there be a, a galaxy far, far away? Is just an ancient version of that, or is this something which is, yes, this is the universe that I live in, this is the world that God has made, and can I trust this author, this author of this world, when I'm challenged to think differently about myself and about the world? Well, let's look at this. Let's just look at the book and jump in. Uh, and the first, well, the second point you've got there is the order of the universe. Uh, lots of things that you, well, one of the things you noticed as you went through the reading or heard the reading is there's lots of pattern and repetition running through it. It's very easy to see that if you've never read it before, it jumps out at you. Uh, if you're a person that loves pattern and repetition, you get with the rhythm of it very quickly. If you're like me, it just becomes quite tedious very quickly and I want to switch off and think about something else. Uh, but you need to understand the patterns that reverberate throughout this chapter. You know, get what the author is trying to say. And so, just again, with the person next to you, the two around you, what patterns can you see? What repetition can you see? We'll just see if we can get them all out there. I won't give you too long. We'll see if there we go. And 
At the moment, we've got and God said, and was good. Other ones? Yep. Good evening, morning. The insert number, Dave. Yep. Others? And it was so. Yeah, you can, you can fill in the blanks. And God said, and it was so. Let there be. And so, yep. Listing out of preachers and all the different themes. Come back to that in a moment. Um, any other ones? Yes, that's right. There was, uh, uh, you blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. That's right. Yes, got that. Um, and God saw that it was good. I think someone said that. Lots of patterns in structure, uh, in, isn't there? And now, at first glance, it looks like the structure here is, a, is chronologically linear. That's day one through to day seven. Uh, but as you look at the, um, at the beginning of it, you see that there's, uh, it happens across in, in a few different ways. The first part of it, so you see there is, uh, on day one there's, there's light and dark. Uh, and then on day two, you see sky and water, or the heavens, and then you see the, the land and the sea. But then if you look, say, at verse 14, after you get down towards day four, uh, you're in day four, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the light from the day. Uh, it seems to be that you're talking about the sun and the moon, but wasn't light created back in verse two? Back in day one, sorry. And we've already had evening and morning for three days. And now we have the, the lights that create the night and the day. Well, what's happening here? And you can go on and see how some of those things don't quite fit together. What it seems that we're being shown here is two phases of creation. And you'll be able to look at the details before that. The first phase is this without so that you can see is this forming and filling. The forming that happens in the first three days of the, the area of light and then in the area of sky and water and in the area of the land and the seas. And then you come back with the next four uh, sorry day four, five, six, where these spheres of the creation are filled and so the lights are created. Uh, the creatures of the sky are created and the creatures of the sea are created to fill that realm. And then the beasts of the field and the humans fill the land and sea. Sorry, fill the land. Now, whenever you come up with any sort of structure, something like that to try and understand any part of the Bible, or you need to be careful because you always have the danger of me imposing my ideas of what the thing's talking about, me imposing my structure on the Bible. And it's a very easy thing to do in Genesis. You come across uh, lots of different ways people understand Genesis 1. But we did actually have to guess this structure uh, or come up with it with my own creativity or someone else's creativity. I didn't invent it. It's actually there in the chapter. It's actually flagged back in verse 2. After God creates the heavens and the earth in verse 1, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Hebrew 
original um, sounds for which I'll read it to you in that. Um, the, earth was, the earth was without form and void. It was tohu vavohu. The earth was, uh, it was tohu vavohu, formless and empty. Sounds like tofu. Which is a bit formless and empty. And so the tofu was like, oh, I remember that, formless and empty. Uh, but it sets the it sets the expectation that there, there's going to be form created and it's going to be filled. And so not so much here is a linear account, a chronologically linear account, but rather a schematic account of the ordering of the creation, the, the forming and the filling of these, the forming of the spheres and the filling of these spheres. Now, any reading of Genesis 1, if you've ever um, done any reading about Genesis 1, you'll know that there are lots of different... Uh, views from the others days, uh, six 24-hour sequential days, or are they six 24-hour days that each day is separated by you know a long period of time, or is it is the whole thing the six days just a um, an indeterminate period of time, maybe short time, maybe billions of years? Which one of these is it? Well, I can. End, I think we can definitely say that it's one of those options, or a variation in between. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy to go with any of um, that there somewhere. But you get the fun of exploring that and working it out. And if you're into uh, science and cosmology, then there's lots of room for you to do some thinking and exploring. Uh, it's not that there's no, nothing to find out. It's not that there's no debate that's worthwhile. But just that it's not relevant to what the author of Genesis 1 is trying to do. You've got to ask, what's the author trying to do? What's he trying to say? Part of what he's trying to do seems to be speaking against the worldviews of his day. In the late 1800s, a Babylonian creation account was discovered. And if you can read it from there... <coughs> Uh, you'll, you'll see that it's actually the, uh, there's a couple of accounts that are in there. It's a creation account, which is very similar to the language used in Genesis 1 and 2. And in this creation epic, the heavens and the earth are formed out of a war between the gods. So Tiamat, the monstrous ocean goddess, evil personified, and so leads a revolt against the supreme god, Anu. Before she can attack Anu, another deity, Marduk, kills her and slits her corpse lengthwise, quote, like a shellfish. And from these two parts of her body, Marduk forms the heavens and the earth. And the message is clear. The heavens and the earth that we inhabit are a byproduct of the war between the gods. And we are like the maggots feeding off the dead corpse of the defeated God. That's our world. Other accounts have the universe as the byproduct of a sex act between the gods. And so we are just, um, again, the byproduct of, uh, of children of some sort, of the gods just having casual sex. Naturalistic worldviews of today, that is, Views that just have the nature of the world as it is, that is all there is, the things that you can sense, 
um, as their worldview, such as atheism, are not much different to the worldviews back in the day Genesis 1. Just without the gods. They say that the universe is just a, an accident. It's just a thing that happens. A happy coincidence. Well, it's a happy coincidence if you happen to live amongst the 5% of the world in the universe that have a good time in your short period of life. But it's just a bit of bad luck. I'm sorry about it if you're amongst the rest of the world for whom life is anything but good. It's just the way it is. It's just accidental. And so Richard Dawkins uh, has famously said, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at the bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. So if you have a good life, well done, good on you. If it sucks, it's the way it is. Um, wondering where I can get a drink. <laughs> See you later. Have a nice day. Genesis 1 speaks against all these worldviews and says, no, the universe has an author. The universe has an author and you have an author too. Your life is not just an accident, a byproduct of a byproduct of your parents, a byproduct of just scientific uh, processes and chemical processes. You have a purpose. And Genesis 1 resonates with this deliberate, methodical refrain, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And from the moment that God spoke the universe into being, it's been ringing and rippling with his voice throughout ages upon ages, such that if you could somehow strip back the lining on reality, you would, you would see the product of the voice of God product of the voice of God, authored and ordered by his voice. But hang on for a minute, because Genesis 1 goes a little bit further than just that God has authored it and ordered it. There's another twist to this account. We've seen that the patterns in Genesis 1 are about that they organise this account, but there's a break in the pattern. And if you were listening as Josh read it, you would have heard a break along the way. There's a part of the creation that God makes where the pattern changes. Verse 26, we're told, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And so now there is a part of the creation that's spoken into being that is like the God who is speaking, is in the image of God. In what sense is this Man, male and female, like God. Well, we're going to come back to that next week. We have to come back to be able to explore that a little bit further. But for now, we can see this obviously has something to do with ruling. Verse 26. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It seems like it's a job given, there is a job given to the image of God people to rule, to have dominion. And it's more than just herding sheep and cattle. Verse 28 uh, spells it out a little bit further. 
And he said to them, and God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. Now, for every living thing that moves on the earth. These words subdue and, and have dominion or to dominate, used elsewhere in scripture, are, are very strong words. In fact, at some points, the way that words get used, it's quite violent. There is a sense in which this is not just, you know, going around and sort of patting sheep on the head and, um, you know, doing things that are just very passive. There is an, there's an activeness, uh, a strong activeness to this rule. And there's a sense in that this task involves continuing the ordering of the creation. So that when God finishes his work of creating, it's not as though what is the finished product is a perfected finished product. God finishes his work of creating, of setting everything in place, and says to the ones who are in his image, you go and have dominion. You go and fill the earth and subdue it. So not like a treasure that sits on a mantelpiece that God just looks at. This world that he has authored, he has ordered to be ordered. He's authored it to be ordered. Such that it's a dynamic project that God speaks the world into being with us in place to rule it in a dynamic, God-like way. And God says to us readers, you've got to grasp hold of that. And you've got to grasp hold of your place in this universe. We are readers, but we are also creatures of the creation. We're not just any creatures, but uniquely made in the image of God to bring bring God's good order. There's meaning and purpose in what God has made and involves a job to be done. So the question comes is, are you getting on with the job that God has given humanity to do? I don't know what that job is. Am I doing it? Does coming to uni do that job? It pays you any money to come to uni. Uh, if I get if I get a job that pays me money, is that what the job of ordering that God's given me to do? If I if I don't get paid, does that mean it's not? Uh, what what is it that we are supposed to be doing? Do I go out and buy a farm and then I'm sort of like ordering the career? Do I dig holes? What? Well, we'll come back to that. But do you know your place? Have you grasped that if you are a creature of the Creator, then you are not your own author? You are not here at uni determining your own future out of contact with the one who has made you. You've been made to live in the world God the Creator has put you in and to live under His Good rule. Well, we haven't actually done a very good job of ruling the world, and we're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks' time too, because we don't seek to bring about God's good order. We actually seek to bring about my own good order that I think 
I should be bringing about. And when you multiply as many gods in the world as we have, some billions, and each one of them thinking that they are God over against every other god, and seeking to bring about their own order, it creates chaos. It creates division. It creates violence. It creates self-centeredness. It creates what we see around us in the world today. We have not followed the God who has made us to live in his good world. And we're going to come back to that. But I'm getting ahead of our, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The creation, we also see, he is headed towards this hope of rest. We saw it at the end on the seventh day. You can see there, chapter 2, that large 2 at the bottom. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in the creation. So creation is headed towards something that's more than just work, more than just ordering of the creation. It's heading towards rest and the hope of rest as God rests. But because we reject the God who has made us, we don't enter his rest. We toil away at our own efforts to rule the world our own way. Well, we'll come back, as I say, we'll come back to that in weeks to come. This chapter of the Bible resonates throughout the rest of the Bible. It sets the foundation for everything that's going to come. And it's through to chase through uh, the rest of the Bible and see how it gets used. So if you know the law of Moses, if you look over in Exodus 20, you'll see that this Sabbath becomes the basis of having a day off each week. Uh, remember the Sabbath day, it keep it holy. And if you were a part of the nation of Israel, you'd have a day off. By law, have a day off, one in seven. Psalm 33 picks up, uh, the psalmist there picks up that the, the heavens were made by the breath of his mouth. And this idea resonates throughout the rest of the Bible that God speaks. What type of creator is God? He's one who, who speaks creation into existence. Creation isn't coming out about through war. It doesn't have to come about through a sex act. It comes about through the activity of speaking. And God's power is that he is able to speak and it happens. I try to speak and it happens and it doesn't happen. Let the bus come now. Let the bus be just a little bit late so I can get there on time. And it's driving off in the distance. Um, when God said it, it happens. And you can trace it all the way through Scripture. Where you see it is, is amazing because we see that there's we get to the New Testament and there's a new beginning, we're told. A new beginning involving words and speaking. Such that if you come to the New Testament, second part of the Bible, to John chapter 1, which is right there, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
and all things were made through him, and without him was not any, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. The claim of Genesis 1 is that the universe has an author. John 1 tells us the author is Jesus extraordinary claim that the author of the universe is the man Jesus who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And the same way that God speaks and authors the universe through Jesus, so in Jesus he speaks to bring order out of the chaos that we've created. The passage we'll come back to in, again in a couple of weeks we see Paul, one of Jesus' ambassadors, saying, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, in the beginning, God authored, Let there be light. And the creation exploded from there. In Jesus, God has spoken again. He's spoken into darkened hearts the message of Jesus, such that we who are disordered are being remade. Not in a creation in this physical sense, but our hearts are being renewed by the author of the universe, Jesus. The question comes to us. Who is your author? Not who's your favourite author, but who is your author? For your author is God. Have you recognised that? Have you grasped that? That he is the one who has spoken your life into existence. He's also the one who has given us the opportunity to hear his word again in Jesus to change our hearts so that we recognise that not just is God our author and creator, but that Jesus is the one who's come to bring us back into right relationship with God. And if that's something you've never heard of before, you've never dealt with before, I want you to be to grasp hold of that and come next week and talk with those who you've come with or come and talk with me about what that means. Because we have a God who has spoken not just the world into, into life, but life with him. If you believe that and you trust that, then get with the program. Get with what God is doing in the world. We'd love to see you next week as we keep talking more about that. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Thank you that you are a good God who has made a good creation. We thank you that through your powerful voice you have spoken everything into them. And we thank you that in Jesus you have spoken again. You have spoken into darkened hearts so that we can have new life.
help us to grasp your word and help us to not just read it and understand it, put our trust in it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm a second year primary ed student, and it's my privilege to pray this afternoon. Prayer is talking to God and showing our faith in Him. Um, this year we'll be praying in four categories encouragement, evangelism, training, and sending. The four key ways that Uni Bible Group seeks to proclaim Christ at university to present everyone mature in Him. Um, and this is not just at university, but we want to present everyone mature in Him. So we're praying for this to happen all over the world. Um, so please join me as we pray together and talk to God. Dear God, we thank you for all the new students who have come to Uni Bible Group events last week. It's such an encouragement that we have almost 150 new students joining us. We pray that through Uni Bible Group, we can all grow in our understanding of what Jesus has done for us um, and live for him as our Saviour and Lord. As the new semester starts off, I pray that we'll make connections with people in our classes and be filled with courage to share you with them. We thank you for the faculty group starting up this week. We praise you for the chance to read your word freely. We pray lots of people uh, will be involved in a group so we can learn and be challenged by your word. We thank you that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed all over the world. We pray for SNK, our Link missionaries, who are themselves members of the New Bible Group. We pray that as they serve in Gospel Zero Buddhist Asia, you'll give them many opportunities to share the good news about Jesus and that we can continue to prayerfully support them in this ministry. We thank you for the chance to open your word here today, and we pray that we can consider how we should be living as creatures of the Creator, as we seek to live under and for Jesus. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen